There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. Money, title, and station were extremely important in late 1700s England. Yet, after committing murder on January 18, 1760, the shocking and very public execution of Lawrence Shirley would go down in history. But why was his execution so important? So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Lawrence Shirley, born August 18, 1720, was an English nobleman. He was the eldest son of the Honorable Lawrence Ferrers and the third son of the first Earl Ferrers. All of this to say, he came from an important family, a family that had a long history of mental illness. From an early age, Lawrence showed signs of erratic behavior and a violent temper. When he was just 20 years old, he quit his estates, left Oxford University, and began living a debaucherous life in France. However, his fun time was cut short when he inherited his title, Fourth Earl Ferrers, at age 25 from his uncle. This meant he had to move to Leicestershire and handle business affairs. In 1743, he began having an affair with Margaret Clifford, whom bore him four illegitimate daughters. But he needed a son. So he married a young girl named Mary, the 16-year-old sister of Sir William Meredith of Henbury. And, as you can imagine, this marriage wasn't a happy one. The poor girl, married to a man much older than her, lived in fear of her husband's drunken rages and had to deal with his womanizing ways. She couldn't handle it. And in a shocking turn of events, considering the time period, she actually petitioned for divorce and got it. Part of the separation entitled her to receive payments from the rents on some of the couple's properties. Lawrence was furious. He lost control of the estate, and it was given to a family steward, John Johnson, who would receive the rents and give the money to Mary. Not only was John now giving money to Mary, but he had provided evidence on her behalf that aided in their separation. To Lawrence, this trusted family steward had now become the enemy. On January 18, 1760, Lawrence called his steward in for a private meeting. A heated argument soon erupted, and as a result, Lawrence surely shot John Johnson. He continued to yell and threaten Johnson through the evening after falling into a drunken stupor, a doctor was finally able to sneak the man back to his home. Unfortunately, he was too late, and the man passed away the following morning. Lawrence thought, due to his station in life, nothing could happen to him. He even offered to take care of the Johnson family if they promised not to bring up charges against him. His plan didn't work, and following an inquest, he was transferred to the Tower of London to await trial. His trial, which began on April 16, 1760, lasted two days. Lawrence Shirley acted in his own defense and, at the urging of his family, attempted an insanity defense. All of this was formality to Lawrence. He believed he was above the law and thought the murder was completely justified. It must have come as a great shock when he was found guilty and sentenced to hanging. Not just that, but he was sentenced to a public hanging, 
a death for common criminals, not someone of nobility. On May 5, 1760, 39-year-old Lawrence Shirley, 4th Earl Ferrers, was led from the Tower of London to Tyburn, where he was hanged in the public gallows. According to some stories, the only concession to his rank was that his noose was made of silk, though many say this was just a rumor. His body was taken to Surgeon's Hall for public exhibition and dissection. The death of Lawrence Shirley became a widely publicized event for one reason. It showed evidence of a shift in the equality of law. This man, who thought he was bigger than the law, was, in the end, executed like everyone else. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on January 19th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy-to-listen-to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day.